Maddie Fresh on the track of Estate. And I'm bringing to you live my boys Alec and Nate, Tequila Ty, Jay Nelly, and Zillin in the building. So kick it back, pour the drink. We chillin' because I'm boozing and bentin' and ballin' like I'm too six. And the blue kicks, watch me move quick. Yeah, it's the blueprint. So who's getting involved? Welcome into the show. This is Booze, Bets, and Ball, baby. And welcome back to Booze, Bets, and Ball, Penn State football podcast brought to you by Big Banter Sports. Uh, so the guys are off this week. Everyone was kind of traveling, leaving the Penn State game. So my uh, my friend Rick has decided to uh, call in on his drive home from work to uh, help us break down Penn State losing yet again to Michigan. So we're going to get into this right now, uh, starting with, well, look at this, because it once again was not greatest thing in the world as Penn State's offense only put up 15 points and that is kind of why there's no longer uh, an offensive coordinator in Happy Valley with Penn State as they put up just 15 points and Mike Yersich is gone. Drew Aller 10 of 22 for 70 yards and a touchdown Um, pretty similar honestly to the showing he had at Columbus, obviously more yards, but there was a, w- a lot more pass attempts in there, 20 more and a lot more garbage time numbers too, honestly. But uh, Michigan did not respect Penn State at all to the point where they did not throw a pass in the second half because they didn't want to risk you know, losing yards on a sack, a strip sack where Penn State could get good field position or an interception or pick six. So uh, Rick, what were your thoughts watching yet another downfall of the Penn State offense in a big game? Uh, it's a miserable experience watching these games uh, against the big opponents. Uh, frankly, they're the, really the only two games that matter on the schedule. I mean, you're expected to beat the Rutgers, the West Virginias, the Delawares, and UMasses of the world. But playing in these games, you expect to rise to the competition. And it's if there was a year to get both of these programs, it was this year. You know, all of last year we were hearing, you know, next year's the year. Well, next year's here, and we laid two big eggs. Now, the scoreboards are not, you know, you're down by eight against Ohio State and you lose by uh, nine against Michigan. It's not like mm-hmm. massive blowouts like you had last year against Michigan, uh, for example. But they were just brutal games to watch. It, they, we did not impress. And, and frankly, if I'm an offensive recruit on the sideline of either game, I'm questioning my decision if I want to come to Penn State or not, sadly, <laughs> sadly with, <laughs> with the showing they had the last couple of games against their, their two massive opponents here. Yeah, I, I think that's the frustrating thing is last year, I, I know Ohio State scored, you know, via some turnovers last year against Penn State, and that kind of ran up the score. But both these teams went over 40 against Penn State last year. And pretty much, if you don't count that Michigan touchdown where Penn State went forward on a fourth and six where they shouldn't have once again and gave Michigan a short field and they scored right away, you pretty much held Ohio State to 20 at their place and you held Michigan a 17 and you still found a way to lose both of those games when you cut the scoring of both of these teams from last year by 20 points. I mean, it's just really sad to see (laughs) that you couldn't even manage three touchdowns in either of these games. You couldn't even really manage 
three touchdowns combined, honestly. Uh, so it, it uh, was quite the bad showing from that aspect. But both of the touchdowns, uh, or sorry, both games featured, I don't want to say garbage time touchdowns, but touchdowns once the game was pretty much already decided. So yeah, the games were exactly the same, honestly. Um, Penn State couldn't score a touchdown, but the defense was keeping them in the game. The offense goes for it on an ill-advised fourth down, doesn't get it. The other team goes right back down and scores quickly, and then Penn State scored a garbage time touchdown. Yeah. I mean, it's 20, 12 points and 15 points in, in both those games, six of them at least, were garbage time touchdowns. That, that does not bode well for your offensive coordinator keeping his job. And I think that's where we are today. Uh, a change had to be made. If you were at the game, you were, even if you were on TV, you're watching on TV, there were a lot of boos, a lot mm-hmm. of boos. Every time we go three and out, every time a, a bad play call would, uh, you know, you know, take, take place. And it was, it was getting pretty ugly to the fe- to the effect of if you know if nothing had changed, I think you're looking at a really ugly game against Rutgers this coming weekend. I think you're gonna have a lot of ticked off fans that you know either aren't gonna show up or the ones that do show up are gonna be pretty vocal like they were last week, <clears throat> even yeah. if they were, even if they're handling Rutgers, which they should fairly easily. Yes, kind of uh, just getting into that kind of uh, bearing lead here in a sense, but. Sunday morning, then Penn State fired offense coordinator Mike Yersich. Yersich, 0-6 against uh, Michigan and Ohio State. He joins John Donovan under Franklin as the offensive coordinators to beat neither during their time here. So I uh, is that going for him, I guess. But just a another brutal offensive showing in a big game. And a lot of people are like, oh, they still – we're average going in the game at least they're still averaging 40 points a game but like you mentioned it's it's a two game schedule for Penn State uh I know that'll change next year when the Big 10 expands obviously but you know as to this date it's been a two game schedule and he hasn't shown up in either of those games for three straight years now so uh the change had to be made and it, it's a little frustrating I guess because Franklin kind of touted your sitch as the guy to get us over the hump where he was like, Oh, this is my number one guy. The guy I always wanted where he, you know, begged the school to buy out Kirk Shiraka and bring in Yersich. And now kind of, you know, it's hard to judge Shiraka, I guess, because of the COVID year and all the injuries they had, but kind of gone backwards in a sense, offensively under Yersich when he was supposed to be the, the next level guy. Yeah, I think it's important to understand what led to Yursich being here. I'm no, I'm no Kirk Sharaka fanboy or enthusiast. I, frankly, I don't really have much of an opinion on him, you know, positive or negative. Uh, I know that 2020 year was was tough uh, for a variety of reasons, right? Your 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 team meetings take place over Zoom. Coaching is right. very limited, but uh, it was borderline. I don't want to say unprofessional, but it was it was not the most professional move to bring in an OC, have him move his family to State College, and then after nine games in a COVID season, boot the guy out, and then you bring in Yursich, which, okay, he's the guy that Franklin has said he's always wanted, which is hitching his wagon to Yursich. If Yursich doesn't work out, that looks pretty poor on Franklin. Right. Um, and then in 2021, was, the offense was not good. We couldn't run the ball at all. You know, we had, And then 2022, last year, it was better. Uh, for the most part, um, you, you had running backs featured that were breaking runs left and right. You had a, a decent receiving core that was was doing the job, and you had some some good tight ends as well that got one of them got drafted and is playing in the NFL now. 
And then this was supposed to be the year to take the step forward. You had two running backs that were all big 10 caliber backs. You had a running, uh, uh, a tight end room that James Franklin has repeatedly at every year, the last three years touted as one of the deepest and best in the country. And you finally have an offensive line that I don't think they're world beaters, but it's, I think it's clearly the best offensive line Franklin has had in his 10 years here. Mm -hmm. Then you have your guy, your (laughs) five-star number one overall recruit at quarterback. I don't mean, frankly, if the receivers are weak, fine. Um, you have a lot of other pieces there, running back, offensive line, quarterback, um, tight ends, that you should be able to look a little more proficient than, you know, a, frankly, a garbage offense against the two big teams on your schedule. So it, really disappointing year uh, this year for, for your assistant and company. Yeah, and you know, I kind of want to talk about the positional coaches, and I know you kind of just talked to the receivers, but uh, Jawan Sider, who is now the offensive coordinator, by the way, um, you know what the running back coach is. Well, what, what's going on with Nick Singleton? I mean, 13 for 43 on Saturday. That's a 3.3 average. We're talking about a guy that averaged seven yards a run last year. He has just not been the same. 134 carries and 523 yards, which is a 3.9 average. So his average is almost cut in half from last year. Uh, I know there's some videos that came out today of him just missing wide open holes in between the tackles. I, the vision is just not there with him. It feels like he he's really good out in space. When he hits the hole, he's gone. When he break, you know, when he bounces one out, he could go down the sideline and no one's going to catch him. But I don't know what you do with him because he clearly can't see what he's doing between the tackles, uh, running the ball, and you know the way Penn State runs the ball with pretty much out of the shotgun a lot, where these guys aren't getting you know, ahead of steam running downfield before they get the ball. There, there's just a lot going on here. And I, I think you got to find an offense coordinator that's also going to work with Singleton and the rest of these running back skill sets. You know, we're talking about finding someone with Aller, but the running backs I think are equally important in this debate. Yeah, I think you answered your question as you were talking there. You, you kept saying running between the tackles, couldn't find a hole, couldn't explode through the tackles. Right. What was the difference last year when he was putting up the? I think he had a thousand yards uh, rushing last year. He mm-hmm. was bouncing it to the outside. That's where he. So uh, Keetron Allen is very good between the tackles. He could pick up between three and seven yards pretty consistently on first down for whatever reason. He's slippery, and and he he works well between the tackles. Singleton's never been a guy who's just great between the tackles. Last year they were saying. Uh, he bounced it out to the outside a lot, which in a lot of cases really helped him, you know, break those long runs. I'm thinking of the one against Utah and right. a couple other ones, but, and they were trying to coach into him, kind of stay more in the system, keep it inside. Don't always bounce it outside, but what is he best at? You know, offensive coordinator is supposed to put your, your, your skill maker, your skill position players, your, you know, your playmakers in positions where they can succeed. What's he good at? He's good at bouncing into the outside, not running into the, uh, you know, your left guard every single time. Mm-hmm. The, the running game was just completely unimaginative um, of just 80, 80% of the runs were just right up the middle. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not his skill set. You got to get him out in space, run an actual screen pass, bounce him outside, pitch it outside, just something different. And, and they kind of viewed, they called the same plays for the for the two different running backs, despite them having different skill sets. I think when you have Allen in there, you can go more inside. If you have Singleton in there, you can bounce it more outside. But it was frankly, it was just they don't really care who's in there. They're going to call the same plays regardless, which is not setting your players up for success. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I know, like, I, I talked about this and tweeted it, but I I think they ran a screen maybe against West Virginia with Singleton. Uh, since then, I, I can't remember a time they kind of made an asserted effort to get him in space with the ball, whether it be a screen. I, I don't think I've seen a toss or pitch play in the two years he's been here. Uh, so I, I, I just, yeah, it, it's negligence, you know, not using his uh, talents to their full ability and trying to make the running game cookie cutter despite different style running backs. So that, yeah, that is, that really bothered me uh, this weekend more than a lot of past weekends, but this was kind of the, straw there i think with me but uh so the receivers the leading receiver was tight end tyler warren with two catches for 25 <laughs> yards oh my gosh uh yeah this was bad Th there's no number one with this receiver group and it kind of showed in the ohio state game that the big difference was one team had marvin harrison jr and the other didn't this was even right. worse i mean you had nobody that could do a thing these guys cannot get separation and they're not even I, I know they don't take a lot of shots downfield but none of these guys are even athletic enough to go get a jump ball that a chris godwin you know mike jacecki uh alan robinson the stuff those guys would do like this is just a really bad group <laughs> terrible but you have to try though that was the right. you know, one of the beat reporters Corey geiger caught a lot of flack a couple of weeks ago by essentially insinuating mm -hmm. to franklin and one of his Tuesday press conferences. Why don't you just chuck it deep? Well, what happens when you chuck it deep? Now you just scheme something up. You don't just literally throw it deep and, and pray. Um, but you, you know, when you're in the stadium, maybe they don't, it's harder to see on TV. When you're in the stadium, you see the safeties creeping up towards the line of scrimmage. You see the linebackers creeping up. Part of the reason uh, the running game isn't that great this year is because I think they're playing in a phone booth. I think the safeties are up. They don't respect the deep threat because you have this five-star quarterback with a rocket arm who's dinking and dunking his average yards per catch is something like, you know, three yards or something in the two games that matter. Mm -hmm. um, it's just these little tiny passes. So they don't feel like they need the safety need to respect the deep threat. Even if you don't complete the deep threat, just the threat of it possibly coming over the top at some point makes, you know, makes room for everyone else to operate when you're constantly playing in a phone booth, whether it's the running backs, the receivers, or whomever, it's tough, and and frankly, I don't think there's any really good receiving threat on our team. Even the tight end room, I don't. I mean, they're they're just average. They're, they're not. They you know, are, yeah. The, you know, Franklin touts them and says, "Oh, they're so great." And I think you have a lot of you know stars in terms of recruiting stars in that room. Some of them are are younger, and, and we'll see how they develop. Then you have Keandre Lambert Smith, who I you know he's made a big deal last year about he's excited to be the number one. Well, what does he have like seven hundred and fifty yards? But the, how many of them come against UMass and Delaware, right? Like against actual competition, the guy's missing in action. Yeah. Um, no separation. A lot of them are on the smaller end of, of things um, size wise. So that that's not, that's not great. Um, you, know, you miss the Godwins of the world. Uh, number 11, Malik McLean's a larger receiver, but he can't see the field anymore after having a decent outing at West Virginia. I don't know what the, what the issue is there, but yeah, receivers are tough and, you saw frustration. I think Aller doesn't trust him. So I don't think he trusts to throw deep when he doesn't know if his running back's going to run the right route. I think yeah. he was about to go for it at, at one point in the second half on fourth down, somewhere near midfield. And you could tell Cephas had no idea where to go. <laughs> yep. And so Franklin called a timeout and then he thought better of it and said, uh, maybe we should actually punt the ball. And they ended up punting. 
Mm-hmm. But that kind of stuff can't happen against these kind of programs. Like you don't no. you don't see that happening on the Ohio State side or the Michigan side. I mean, that's just completely inexcusable. I don't know if it's coaching. Uh, I don't know if it's just the players not being accountable to themselves. But if if you're a coach and you can't motivate your receivers to learn the playbook, and and man, it's tough. This these this is probably the worst crop of receivers I can ever remember in the in the modern era of Penn State. It's they're just brutal. Yeah, you know, I think Keandre Lambert Smith will, you know, maybe be on an NFL roster, but this is the first time, like, and I, I'm not that old, obviously, but this is like the first time in a really long time that I can remember there not being a shoe in NFL talent in the receiver room where, like, you knew that guy was at least, you know, fifth rounder better. And I, I just don't see it this year. And, you know, you talk about Aller being frustrated. I think the fact that, these guys, you know, are not being consistent and the coaching staff is constantly having to tweak the starting lineup and having different guys out there all the time because these guys just aren't consistent players. That's got to get on Aller because, you know, he's a young guy. He's the first time starter too. And he can't build any chemistry with these guys because the same damn guys can't stay on the field long enough for him to get to that point. And I, I think that's another problem that is totally screwing them in the passing game is that quarterback can't trust them if he doesn't know their tendencies because they're not on the field enough yeah you 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 clearly need to supplement that room in the offseason with with transfer portal kids now they have some freshmen coming in but it takes a while mm-hmm. to develop um he was asked franklin has, was asked a question by i think it was again Corey geiger today at the press conference and, and they said is it is this really is the offense as simple as boiling it down to the receiver's stink essentially what he was asking and frank was like no it's it's a lot more complicated than that you know we're confident in our receivers we like what we have we just got to play more consistent mm-hmm. if i'm frank I'm, I'm out there running billboards across the country hey are you a stud receiver come come to us come come play at penn state next year because we need help um and that's really kind of the era of the transfer portal you you have to you have to be able to attract these guys these, yeah. these stud- Receivers. Who was the kid who went from Michigan State last year? Was it Keon Coleman to Florida yep. State? And he's an absolute yep. stud now. You have to land one of those guys. And, yeah. and frankly, if I'm any sort of receiver right now, thinking about transferring and Penn State's on my list, if I turn on the tape and, went, get, and you know, watch those two games, I am probably Penn State's not too high on my list. It's somewhere to go to get drafted under your such's control. So. Yeah, this this o- next OC hire is going to be really you, you got to have some cachet behind this one. It can't just be some random guy off the street. It's like, oh, he was good at Eastern Michigan University. You need a guy with a big name who, who can really attract the kind of talent that you need to get to that next level here. Yeah, definitely. And that also kind of brings in the whole uh, NIL conversation too. you know, is this school set up to attract these guys, not just with on the field play, but with NIL packages, because, you know, like we saw with Jordan Addison a couple years ago going from Pitt to USC, uh, you know, a little money incentive helps along with playing with someone like Caleb Williams. So, uh, you know, that, that's something else to keep in mind. And hopefully they get that figured out along with a uh, offensive coordinator they can trust because They're, both. Yeah, they I don't know if NIL is a big of a problem. I think Franklin always likes to say it's a problem because he likes to motivate people to give money. Right. That's right. that's his job. He'd be. I think every even the top NIL program in the world is going to say they're not where they need to be just because they they don't want donations to dry up, right? Um, 
but he's able to recruit high school kids. Like you don't land Drew Aller and mm-hmm. uh, Ethan Gruckemeyer, you know, highly re- recruited quarterbacks without some sort of competitive NIL package. Now, I think Penn State does it maybe a little differently than Texas A and M in the world, where they don't just offer them a bag of cash to come to your come to school. Um, but they're putting together good high school classes. Um, it's just all the receivers they're recruiting for whatever reason, the way they scout them, the characteristics they're looking for on tape in high school, they're just not panning out. Yeah, uh, it's a little bleak right now, honestly. But uh, Penn State has to come back Saturday and play Rutgers in the final home game of the season. So we'll come back later in the week with the uh, the Rutgers pod of Big Banter Sports and bring you guys some insight on the Scarlet Knights, who honestly aren't that bad this year. So it might be little interesting with Penn State's uh, playoff balloon fully deflated right now. You know, what the motivation level will be like uh, player, coaches, fans alike on Saturday. So that, that's been an interesting dynamic, but uh, we'll get into that later in the week. A big thanks to Rick for uh, hopping on here, giving me a nice bullpen piece to, to work with, with the guys all traveling. So I appreciate that, Rick. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it. All right, so we'll see you later in the week.